Hi, this is Louis Canio. Welcome to the Doctor and Dad podcast. This fast-paced weekly podcast delves into the latest scientific findings on how we can all live longer and better lives. I'm the dad, and my daughter, Nicole, is a family medicine doc who trained at the renowned Cleveland Clinic. We hope you enjoy this short, informative show, and please be sure to visit thedoctorandad.com. Uh, and by the way, the doctor is abbreviated in that. So it's T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for the show notes um, and other resources to help you learn about extending your health span. Within the notes, you'll find links to a bunch of stuff we discussed. So be sure to check it out. And thanks for listening. Hi, doctor. Hi, dad. Hi, Dr. Fouché. Hi, I'm excited about this. And as are we, um, first of all, thank you. We know um, your your time is very precious these days. So thank you for carving out some of your precious time to join us on the Doctor and Dad podcast. Yes, so this is um, Dr. Julie Fouché. And I know Julie from residency at um, Cleveland Clinic Fairview. So I think we met when... You were a med student, right? And I was right. a second year. Um, yes. So just about to go into third year. Yep, exactly. So towards the end, and um, I think we did a few different things together. And then you were a first year when I was a third year, and we did our um, family medicine, like inpatient rotation together, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but that's where I met... Um, Julie, and she is not only a Cleveland Clinic Medical School graduate and Cleveland Clinic residency trained family medicine physician, but she is also a CrossFit Games athlete um, and has finished in the top five all four years that she participated, and her best finish was second. So when I started residency and you were a medical student, and um, I remember Gina um, she was another one of our um, yes. co-residents. <laughs> she was like, well, this girl is famous. She's like, she's Instagram famous. And I'm like, <laughs> I need to know about that. <laughs> and she's like, she's like CrossFit famous, like has the blue check mark. And that's all you need to hear is if someone has the blue check mark, then you know that they're legit. <laughs> oh. That's so funny. It's yeah. so funny because when I started, one of the things that I loved about the like third and fourth years of med school is I felt like I could go into a rotation and people wouldn't really know. I mean, usually they'd find mm-hmm. it eventually, but they wouldn't really know about my CrossFit background. So I felt like I could be like, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of like fly under the radar. Um, and I love that about rotating at um, our residency too, as a med student. And I, I just remember being so impressed by you, like coming in as a med student and being like, wow, like, she's just so calm all the time. She knows what she's talking about. She's so good with patients. Like, wow, I just want to be like her when I grow up. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, fake it till you make it. <laughs> I just attribute any calmness that I had to the fact that I did a intern year in general surgery. Because yeah. anything after that felt like, a, you know, nice and peaceful. That'll do it, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so. although I used to, I used to love going to have like breakfast with Nicole after she got off a night shift when she was a surgery, mm. surgical resident, because the, the stories that she would tell uh, oh, about yeah. what was, what was happening at the big, you know, hospital she was at in downtown Charlotte. Yeah. Was, Not the same stories, oh, yeah. 
not the same stories that after a a shift of family medicine work now, not any less important or more important, but it wasn't like, oh yeah, this person came in with a gunshot wound to the chest and we opened up the chest cavity. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Not the same stuff. Um, Fortunately. Now I have to tell you, Julie, um, obviously you're a very special individual and we're going (laughs) to get into some of the details of that, but I'm going to add something else that that you're going to um, be happy to, to know. And that is that you are only the fourth guest on the doctor and dad podcast. In, in <laughs> wow. the history- yes. Don't you feel special? <laughs> I feel very special now. I didn't realize that. Wow. And you are, you're actually the first non-family member guest. On oh, all right. So I'll previously, <laughs> previously we had my parents, uh, uh-huh. on, and, and they talked about their kind of unique medical um, history experiences, particularly my dad. Um, and then we had uh, Brandon, uh, Nicole's husband. On. Yeah, she knows a, Brandon. You know, he's an ophthalmologist. So you're in you're in very select company there. Yes. So, so wow. it's, I'm honored. I'm honored. We, we, no, we are honored. Trust me. Uh, so so I'm interested and maybe we'd start this off. Um, what prompted your interest in fitness and medicine? Did, did one proceed and lead to the other? Yeah, that's a great question. So I had always been very active growing up. I actually did gymnastics was my main sport growing up. And then I ran track in high school and when I went on to college, I knew I wasn't going to do sports in college. And so my first two years of college, I sort of didn't know what to do with myself, but I always knew, you know, I liked being active and I liked, I loved competing. I loved um, really pushing my body. And so for two years, I, you know, I did the usual gym thing. I went on the, I took, you know, my notes from class and put, went on the elliptical and tried to study and burn a bunch of calories and, um, (laughs) did some, you know, random classes at the school rec center. And I got into triathlons a little bit during that time. I had a roommate uh, my freshman year who was a swimmer. And so she took me to the pool and I kind of learned, you know, the first time I went, I could barely swim a lap without gasping for air and finally got to the point where I could do a sprint triathlon. It was all good experience. But um, about two years into college, I first heard of CrossFit and this was in 2009. So it was much smaller it wasn't, you know, now you you say CrossFit and someone's at least heard of it, if not know someone who does it. And back then it was much smaller. But when I heard about it, I immediately knew, you know, this is what I need to be doing because it's different every day. Um, it's a great mix of gymnastics, endurance, strength training. Um, it really keeps your interest. You get to go to a gym and have a coach coaching you through the workouts. You get to do the workouts with other people. You're always learning new skills. And so it just seems like the perfect fit for me. And I felt, you know, as soon as I walked into the gym for the first time in Ann Arbor, it just felt right. And I started it mainly for my own health and fitness because I found that, especially in those first years of college, I didn't have a great relationship with my body or exercise or food. And it was really, you know, eating things that I felt guilty about and then going to the gym to burn off a certain number of calories. And it was something that constantly consumed my mind and my attention. And when I started going to the CrossFit gym, it was, it flipped that on its head and it was more about, okay, what new skill can I learn? Or can I do this workout faster? Can I lift more weight? Um, And it was more about what my body could do instead of what it looked like. And the food that I was eating was so that I could fuel my workouts best and feel good and get stronger instead of trying to burn off calories. And so that was really a profound switch for me. And and I was really doing it just for general health. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
you know, I luckily I, the gym that I started at, I had an incredible coach and I, when some other people at the gym wanted to do some local competitions, I decided I'd join them. And over the course of a year, just sort of surprised myself along the way and ended up qualifying to the CrossFit Games in 2010, a year later. Wow. And yeah, so that was, you know, it was a big, uh, big <laughs> shock. I never saw that coming. I remember, you know, watching the previous year when I had first started watching videos of women competing in the CrossFit Games and thinking, oh my gosh, it's so amazing what they're doing. I could never do that. And they even had um, that year they published the women's score, like their top scores and the average scores in certain benchmark workouts. And I remember pasting it up on the wall in my room at college and thinking first looking at them and thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to be able to do that. It seems mm -hmm. impossible. But over the course of the year, slowly chipping away and being able to reach some of those milestones. And so it all happened really quick. But I, I you know, it just I knew that it was something that was important to me and that I enjoyed doing. And it was around the same time then that I was applying to med school. So that first year that I competed in the CrossFit Games, I remember I was in Bethesda, Maryland for the summer doing an internship at the NIH. And I had just taken my MCAT and I was submitting my med school applications. Oh, um, that just gives me like, <laughs> like PTSD. I know. I know. I just think about, I've like just had this flashback of going to a Starbucks to like reread my med school application one more time to make sure there was no typos. Yep, exactly. Because it. it felt like if there was one typo in there, then that would ruin your, all of your chances. Right. Right. No <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I had no idea where CrossFit was going to go, but I had already been on this path to medicine and basically ended up continuing to compete in CrossFit as I started med school. I knew it was going to be possible during my first year of med school, but it was a huge challenge. Um, I think I got lucky because the school I was at was a very different type of curriculum. And so the training worked out okay. And also back in that, at that time, people were not training as much as they are now over the course of the time when I was competing, it went from training a couple hours a day to being basically a full-time job. Um, so, you know, that was a hard year, but it was basically during that first year of med school that I really started to see how the fitness and medicine were going to overlap. Um, and it was probably towards the end of that first year going into my second year that I knew I was going to go into family medicine. Um, mainly just, I think I was really naive, like probably most people when they start med school, I, yeah. you know, I loved math and science. I loved learning about the human body and how it worked. I love problem solving and I love people. And to me, the the physician-patient relationship was really why I decided to go into medicine as opposed to doing something more research-focused or industry-focused. Yep. And I, um, but I was naive. I had no idea, <laughs> you know, what a mess yeah. our healthcare system was. I didn't uh -huh. understand how big of a burden chronic disease was. And, and as I went through med school and realized that, you know, the majority of conditions that people have are rooted in lifestyle and how much of a burden that's putting on our healthcare system. And then seeing, you know, what was happening in a traditional primary care setting. So in, in my program, we did a half day a week in a primary care office um, starting in our first year. And I was able to see, you know, see a patient in the office, talk to them about exercise and nutrition. And then, you know, for 15 minutes, and then they come back, you know, you don't see them again for six months. And of course, not much has changed because how much can you change from a 15 minute conversation? And so right. they'd come back and 
you know, they'd have to increase their medication doses, they would overall be sicker. And it was just very frustrating. And at the same time, I was going to train at the gym in the evenings, and I was seeing people through CrossFit really dramatically change their lifestyle. So they were coming off the medications, they were losing weight, they were gaining confidence, they were part of a community. And it was just so obvious to me that, you know, to change real and really combat chronic disease and really help people be as healthy as they can possibly be. That is, that happens in the community that happens in the places where people are living their lives day to day. It doesn't happen in a 15 minute doctor's visit every six months. And so Absolutely. that's where I knew, you know, I wanted to be on the front end of this. And so I decided, okay, family medicine is the way to, to enter um, and practice the kind of medicine I want to practice. And I knew that long-term, you know, fitness was going to be a big part of how I helped my patients. So they kind of both went kind of hand in hand, actually. Um, Absolutely. But also showed, I think probably the, it's interesting that the CrossFit, the time you had at CrossFit early on in medical school, not only contributed maybe to the path you wanted to take in residency and beyond, um, but how you, you already realized how you need, you were going to need to try to practice in order to have patients, um, meet their optimal health goals because mm -hmm. 15 minutes doesn't cut it by any stretch. Totally. Totally. And just recognizing that, you know, the way the healthcare system is set up to benefit, um, you know, it's set up where the incentives are for insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies and not necessarily what's best for the patient or to create health. Yep. Um, and so that immediately was something that I knew was frustrating. Um, but I saw family medicine is, you know, one specialty to specialty that I felt really aligned on in terms of caring for the whole person. And what really kind of, I knew I wanted to do family medicine after I switched from surgery, just because, and some people were like, well, that's strange, but I felt similarly that it allows you to see people from, of all age groups with all different issues or problems. And, um, great but then also it really kind of hit home early on in residency when um while a lot of it is that traditional uh primary care uh, outpatient primary care setting that we're exposed to we still we still kind of always learned a little bit about all these other options of how you can mm -hmm. practice um which That's you can't true. do in a lot of other specialties i mean if you even think like okay family medicine versus internal medicine you really can't you don't have the flexibility to do you know all these different things um unless you go the family medicine route so it's so true and we've definitely had some uh, a couple of podcasts now on nicole's transition from that corporate uh, primary care physician world to her own direct primary care uh, mm -hmm. world and, and and now that she's oh six months or so into it um the the difference is just so so profound <laughs> and again julie was one who you know um would always talk about it's like you it's kind of like you knew about direct primary care from the beginning because i mean I was a second year, you were a med student, and I think I already had heard you say that you were going to, you were planning on doing direct primary care. Um, so you knew about it, the, the kind of movement early on, really early on. Yeah, I think I heard about it in med, when I was in med school. And I didn't, I didn't decide that that's what I wanted to do until like, for sure, until probably in my second year, sometime in my second year of residency. But I, I knew about it, and it made so much sense to me. And, um, 
And then I went to one of the big DPC conferences, a, DP, a couple of them, but the DPC summit the summer after my, I guess it would have been, yeah, the summer after my second year. And then it was just, it was like, okay, this is it. <laughs> just meeting people who are in it and were so enthusiastic about it. And to me, it actually felt a lot like being part of the CrossFit community. It was just really good people who care about helping people and who want to help each other. Um, and they're just so excited that you want to follow that same path. So it was really encouraging. And I, I think it's interesting, Julie, it's, it, I think there's a pattern here in that you got involved with CrossFit when it was kind of in its nascent stages. And, and also you're interested in, your interest in, in mm -hmm. direct primary care. It's, I mean, still in a nascent type of, uh, mm -hmm. of movement, so to speak. Um, but, but several years ago, it was even more so. Yeah, I guess I'm an early adopter. <laughs> you are an early, you're you're a uh, what do you want to say? Uh, well, evangelist may be may, may be too maybe. hard a word, but uh, I don't I know. To... When things make sense to me, I just can't ignore them. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I think you're you're right on on both counts, and I will say that I, I am a former, and I, this is a stretch, but I'm a former CrossFit CrossFit athlete oh, myself. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I did it for a couple of years. Um, Certainly not at your level, actually, well, <laughs> well below your level. But uh, all, all of our, our our large, vast audience, um, you guys can check out Julie's Instagram page if, you're, if you're interested in um, the the level that she was able to attain and still attain <laughs> through her CrossFit. And then you can um, look at my dad's. <laughs> well, I will definitely say I'm nowhere near where I was back then, but um, but also I think it's one of those things that I'm so grateful I was able to compete and um, it was such an incredible experience, but that's really not what CrossFit is all about. You know, CrossFit is about the average everyday person who's going to use it to improve their health. Um, the competition aspect is such a small part of what CrossFit is, and I that's one of the sort of dangers that we have is that it can scare people away if that's their first mm -hmm. exposure to it. And, you know, it doesn't have to be super in intense and <laughs> competition. My, when he would do time. CrossFit and my initial like thought around CrossFit, cause I was that person that you talked about, like take your notes on the elliptical um, yeah. and just elliptical for 45 minutes because I knew that that got my heart rate up and burned the most calories. And um, I didn't have, I just wanted to be efficient. I'm so much about efficiency especially totally. with exercise. So for me, it's like I exercise for cardiovascular health and all the, the other benefits of, um, of exercise, not, not for weight purposes or whatever. Um, and in my mind for so long, I just, you know, get the heart rate up, get it up fast, high and be done with it, burn calories and be done with it. Um, mm -hmm. and when then people would talk about CrossFit, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like people flipping tires in you know their backyard or something, like cavemen or whatever. <laughs> which totally. was which was totally obviously not what what CrossFit is about. But um, it is it is interesting how it has grown so much since those the early um, the early years when people first started hearing about it. Um, it's I feel like it's everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it has grown uh, a, an incredible amount. And it's been, I mean, really about 20 years since it was first started. Um, and I think this will be the 14th year of the CrossFit game. So it's still young, but but it has grown a lot. And we've been through a lot of um, 
different phases. And I think now we're coming into a phase where I think the future of CrossFit is really going to be where we put that health focus forward instead of the competition focus, not to say we're taking attention away from competition, but, but that um, we're really starting to put the focus on what that true purpose is. Um, And so that to me is really exciting. Yeah. And, and so let's get into that piece, you know, uh, leave the, the, the competition piece aside, focus on the, the health benefits of CrossFit for the everyday person. My experience was that, I mean, the, the, for me, the, the, uh, first of all, the, the, a couple of the great things about CrossFit was one, uh, all I had to do was show up. There was a workout of the day all set for me. I didn't have to figure out what my workout was going to be. Um, secondly, you had really, I had, I was fortunate. I had really good coaches who would coach me on form and motivate me. And then thirdly, there was this kind of shared suffering thing. Cause yeah. it was hard, <laughs> no, no doubt about it. But, but, but when you're, when you're doing something hard with a group of people, it's much easier, so to speak, than doing something hard by yourself. Absolutely. And I think that you just hit the nail on the head. That is really what sets CrossFit apart from a a lot of other fitness programs. Um, You know, it's, it's exercise. It's like, there's lots of um, variations, especially now. And I think CrossFit really did revolutionize the fitness industry in terms of now you see all types of functional movement and high intensity and group fitness classes all over the place. Um, but I think what makes it so special is the community. And I think that the community is really forged by that shared suffering experience and that, you know, I was just talking about this with someone the other day, the idea that you can walk into the gym and it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, cardiovascular surgeon or a police officer or a teacher or a janitor, like you walk in and you're just you and you're doing pull-ups next to the person next to you and you're both struggling and you're cheering each other on and, it really kind of like takes away all of these um, identities and like masks that we wear in everyday life and just allows us to be people and work hard and overcome challenges. And then it becomes this, you know, through that like vulnerability, you build relationships and um, it really becomes this metaphor for anything else you do in life. Like you're really good at being comfortable in the uncomfortable and overcoming challenges and knowing that, okay, you have this task in front of you that looks hard and you're not sure if you can do it, but you know, you're going to get through it because you got through your workout this morning in the gym. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that, um, to me is so special about it aside from obviously all the exercise health benefits. Yep, Exactly. And I I think people don't, uh, don't realize that, um, that you don't have to be in tip top shape to start out in CrossFit. Uh, you mm-hmm. don't need to, to know how to, how to do a, you know, a, a deadlift or, or in the right form or, or what have you, that there's a, there's a place for almost everybody within that community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that it's just, it's just a really special community and a special bond. And I think that that we know, like when we're talking about health, obviously there is benefits to exercise. A lot of times that will facilitate changes in nutrition, which are important for health, but just the community is huge. You know, we're learning so much about how detrimental um, like social isolation can be and how important it is for community and relationships to improve our health overall and our chronic disease risk. And so I think that it offers a lot of those benefits. 
Now, now, what's your perspective on, you know, because because CrossFit has been, I don't want to say criticized, it's the wrong word, but there's been a question in terms of, um, you know, CrossFit is a pretty intense. Those workouts are, are, are fairly intense. I, mm-hmm. I particularly recall the, the, the Murph workout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, and so there's there's been this debate, so to speak, around, okay, is that intensity actually going to be more beneficial uh, and give you, let's say, a higher ROI return on that time invested than something else you could be doing from a workout regimen. Do you you have a a perspective on that? Yeah. Well, I'll touch you on what you said earlier about, um, you know, that you don't have to be in shape to start CrossFit and that there's this concept of relative intensity. So the definition of CrossFit is constantly varied, meaning you're doing something a little bit different every day high intensity, which is relative to the individual functional movement and functional movement is just doing movements that your body was designed to do things like squats, which you would do to stand up or sit down, deadlift, picking something up off the ground, a press, putting something up over your head. It just mimics the, the demands of everyday life. And the intensity piece is relative. So it's relative to the individual's physical capacity, but also psychological capacity. And what's intense for one person may not look intense for another. So, you know, I could do a CrossFit workout next to, you know, someone who's 70 years old. And I was going to say might... next to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For example. <laughs> next to you. And maybe I'm sure, I don't know, what, what would you normally do for a Fran? Like, how would you do a, have you done Fran before? Or how would you scale that? Oh boy. Um, so um, it, this was, I did it from 2010, 2012, and my memory is not good enough. Okay. To, to so maybe, I don't know, it, Fran is 21, 15, 9 of pull-ups and thrusters. So maybe you would use um, like ring rows for your pull-ups. I don't know. I'm just, no, I could, I, 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 I could actually get through the, the, the pull-ups, okay, so you, but, but you I'm do doing pull-ups. thrusters with probably 75 pounds, not 95 pounds. Sure. So you'd use, use a lighter weight and we could yeah. both finish the workout, hopefully in a similar time frame, and both have intensity but it's relative to um, what our capacity is and um and so i think where where people um can get scared by it is when they see they see you know someone who's at a different capacity and what they're doing or they watch the crossfit games and they see someone doing handstand push-ups or like you said pushing tires or something um and thinking that they can't do it but everybody starts from somewhere and you know we've you see we can work with people who have, you know, who are, have never worked out before and we can scale things all the way down from standing up and sitting down off of a a chair or a bench, um, Mm -hmm. all the way to learning how to do a squat with hundreds of pounds, um, and everywhere in between. And so that's one of the other cool things about it. Um, and CrossFit also, when we implement this too, it's important to implement it in the right order. So we have a charter that says that goes mechanics, consistency, intensity. So, knowing that we want to make sure people move really well first and they're moving the right way before, and they can do that consistently before you add in the intensity piece, because it is, you know, when you start getting in an environment with other people who are really pushing themselves, you know, we all want to have fun and compete. And so people can end up pushing themselves beyond what their capacity is if they haven't really nailed those mechanics consistently first. So that's another important piece. Um, important piece of the puzzle. And, but as far as the intensity goes, I think that, you know, research, just looking at general exercise research, we know that higher intensity workouts like HIIT training 
is really potent and very time efficient. And so it doesn't often take a lot um, in order to get a really good stimulus. So like if you could do a few sprints instead of just, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of jogging, you might get more of a benefit to that over the long term. Um, just thinking about when you talk about different types of, of stressors or like hormesis, it's a more potent stressor if you can do that higher intensity um, and it doesn't necessarily have to take a long time, but it's important that you also have the appropriate recovery in between, you know, your intervals, but also in between your workouts that you're not doing that super high intensity for hours a day, day after day. Right. So as someone who obviously is um, invested in uh, your own health and the health of your patients or future patients um, and being someone who is um, still dedicated to CrossFit and exercise, but not competing, not in the competing sense. Um, mm -hmm. What does your exercise regimen really look like? You know, so like, yeah, you should incorporate some cardio mm -hmm. and some strength training, like all those, you know, the kind of generalization, but for you and you're someone who's going to, of course, have probably more uh, of an emphasis on your workouts than, than someone who doesn't have your past. But what would you say is like kind of your optimal week in size? For sure. So I've, I, my patterns have changed a lot over the years with different phases of life, but I think right now, um, I'm also all about efficiency. So I still belong to a CrossFit affiliate and ideally I'd love to get there four or five days a week to do a class. Um, mm -hmm. I can say that I'm, I've not been very good about that lately, but mm -hmm. I do try to do all the workouts. So even right. if I can't get there for the whole hour long class, I'll do the workout in my garage and uh, usually I'll be able to get it done in like 20 or 30 minutes. Cause I'm just by myself. Yep. Um, and that's some sort of CrossFit workout mixture of strength, cardio, um, gymnastics skills, all different types of stuff that, that the gym would program. Um, I also still, don't do it as much as I would like, but I also am a huge fan of yoga. So I feel best if I can do like a yoga class once a week, mm -hmm. um, just because I, I think that it helps with obviously mobility and flexibility, but also just having more of that like slower pace recovery and focusing on your breathing and mindfulness too. Yeah. When you do cardio, um, your cardio is pretty much just within those CrossFit workouts. Mm hmm. Yeah. So you know, I like to think about it, like, as an example, um, maybe I'll do a workout that's 20 minute AMRAP. So it means 20 minutes, as many rounds as possible. And it might be like a 400 meter run, some kettlebell swings and some pull-ups. Mm -hmm. And I'm just cycling through those as many times as I can for 20 minutes. So your heart rate, as far as you're concerned, is pretty similar to what you would be if you just went on a 20 minute jog. Mm -hmm. but you're also getting in these strength movements over the course of that 20 movement, 20 minutes. And actually probably your heart rate's going a little bit higher when you do the kettlebell swings or the pull-ups um, because it's a little bit more intense. So it's, you don't have like, you get a lot of cardio benefit from doing these types of workouts and some of the workouts, you know, there's, they're all variety. So some of the workouts might just be strength work and you're not heart rate's not getting up very high or, it might be a shorter intense workout that's only two or three minutes long, but you're getting your heart rate a lot higher because your intensity is higher. Um, but that variety sort of gives the same cardiovascular benefit um, that you would get if you did a longer endurance. Plus you're getting the strength benefit too. Yeah. 
And I'm, I'm assuming, Julie, that your your nutrition has changed a bit from your competition days or, or, a, or a lot from your competition days. So so where are you, you know, because most obviously that are all of our listeners, I, I think it's safe to assume are not CrossFit competitors. So 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 where, where are you now with with kind of your uh, nutritional strategies? Sure. Well, I probably eat a lot less than I did back yeah. then. But, I always um, love reading I, the articles about like Michael Phelps when he's in the Olympics, yeah. like what he eats in a day. <laughs> totally. That's what totally. I picture you doing back in your um, um, competing days. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, like <laughs> how your metabolism changes. But I, I still just really try to stick with real food. I think even when I was competing, that was my main priority. Like I just stick with real food good quality food, lots of fruits and vegetables. Um, in CrossFit, our, there's a statement that the founder made called fitness in a hundred words. And the first part of that is eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch and no sugar. And that's pretty much what I mm -hmm. stick to. Um, like yeah. if I'm eating meat, I'm trying to eat grass fed meat. Um, I eat a lot of seafood and I'm not as strict. So like back then, I remember specifically there was a time period where I would be so strict about what I was eating that my treat would be like a tiny dark chocolate square like once a week. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Wow. But now, you know, I eat tons of dark chocolate every day. And yeah, <laughs> like I, I'm not, you know, if I go out to eat with friends or whatever, I'm not like crazy about it. But mm -hmm. I try to generally eat real food and I feel better for myself when I when I stick to that. Yeah. Sounds like kind of kind of a Mediterranean diet with an emphasis on, yeah. on the seafood piece. Which I like. I've heard recently. I saw this article. Um, it was actually in a cardiology journal, but it's a pesco Mediterranean diet with intermittent fasting, which I feel like really describes well, like a, what I would consider to be a great starting place for most people, which is yeah. you know Mediterranean diet, mostly fish for your protein or seafood and some intermittent fasting. And I personally am a fan of at least a trial of like gluten and dairy mm -hmm. avoidance just to see what impact that may have on symptoms. Because I think for a majority of people, especially with the way food's processed here, um, don't respond well. So, and don't realize how many effect. things like get better if they cut mm -hmm. those things mm -hmm. out. Yeah, totally. That's interesting. And we, we have definitely had um, a couple podcasts on intermittent fasting. We're, we're proponents of it. We, we both practice that. Do you, I'm just curious, do you skip generally breakfast when you're doing that and then eat lunch and dinner? Um, I try to eat early dinner. So I try to be done eating by 6 p.m. And then I might have like something to eat, like a snack around 10 a.m. the next day. And then I usually eat like a meal at lunchtime. Yeah. Yep. So that, and that, and, and does that lunchtime meal tend to be the largest meal for you? I'm, I'm just curious because I know that, that the one thing I think we'd like to change is eat a smaller dinner, get more calories earlier in the mm -hmm. day. I just think that's probably metabolically healthier. I completely mm -hmm. agree. I think if we were going completely based on our optimal circadian rhythms and food intake, we'd eat our biggest meal in the morning and not yeah. eat a lot later in the day and kind of go by the sun, but, um, so hard. I can't, it's hard. I have it's not been able to adopt so that. Just, yeah. Well, just in our, in our society, it's not the case, but I'll, I'll tell you, my, my dad grew up in Sicily and, and so we, we would go back 
And in Italy, or at least in Sicily, where we visited, visited relatives and friends, the big meal of the day was the one o'clock meal. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it makes sense. And then the siesta afterwards, it sounds it, great. Exactly. <laughs> it was a very nice way to live. And uh, you'd add in the importance of friends and family in the whole equation. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. this is definitely uh, yeah. something to be said for that. But we that work, lifestyle. you know, nine to five. Kids don't get home from school till four and right. we have one family meal. So I try right. to impress upon people not to. Um, no one's perfect. Um, right. So like some of them are some people would like to try intermittent fasting and uh, we'll explain if it's doable for you. Ideally, you start eating at eight o'clock in the morning and then stop, you know. Mm-hmm. eight hours yeah. later, but I, it's not reasonable for me. I'm not going to, you know, not have dinner with my kids. So in different phases of your life, um, as of, I'm, I'm sure you've seen different things can kind of fit a little bit better than others. Absolutely. The one thing which I would say is that I do see a lot of benefit from is trying to stop eating at least three hours before bedtime. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it's easy to push that window to like, wait, you know, until even afternoon to eat, to start eating. And then you're eating yep. windows pretty late and it really does interfere with sleep yep. um, if you're eating too close to bedtime. Yeah. And my switching from um, my more corporate um, position to now what I do now is so much better for that because sometimes I wouldn't get home till mm-hmm. 530 and I was, um, you know, then trying to like make dinner and corral the kids and we wouldn't finish eating till like, you know, quarter of seven or seven, and then we'd have to mm-hmm. do bedtime. So now I feel the same way. I ideally try to be done around six or six thirty. you know, mm-hmm. when, when we can. And I, and patients kind of don't realize it when I ask them about certain things, like how close to when you're laying in bed, are you eating? And sometimes it's like, well, like, you know, I'll have this for a snack at 30 minutes before bed, um, or I'll even eat dinner at nine o'clock at night. Um, mm-hmm. And it takes a lot to change that because we're just habitual. Um, but it, after you do it for X amount of time, it just becomes your new normal. Totally. And that's how I used to be too, because I would, you know, after work, I would go to the gym usually in the evening, I wouldn't get home till like eight. And then, you know, you're eating dinner really late. But mm-hmm. I've also noticed if, if, you know, we wear like a sleep tracker or you start looking at some of that data, you can really see the impact. Um, and then it's objective yeah. and it's hard to ignore. What do you use for tracking? I use an aura ring. Um, yeah, I, I just wear it when I sleep because I don't, I don't find that it works well for my type of workouts. <laughs> I don't want to be holding onto a barbell or something, but I, um, yeah. I wear it at night to sleep and I, I really like it. It's been great for me. So you use it really just to track sleep. Um, Mm -hmm. What about to track your workouts otherwise or heart rate, that kind of thing? Lately, I haven't been. I did wear, in the past, I've worn a Whoop. I had one more recently, but it stopped working Mm -hmm. and I kind of get fun it. (laughs) I've used an Apple Watch in the past, but um, I haven't done a whole lot with heart rate during workouts. Yeah. Um, You don't don't need to see that. Some people need that feedback. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, I use an Apple Watch just because I use an Apple Watch um, otherwise. Mm-hmm. So I'll look at it. But sometimes it can be glitchy. But all in all, I think it is pretty good as a, as a medical grade heart rate tracker. But that's the other nice thing about CrossFit is it's not so specific. Like there's certain things that you have to follow your heart rate and stay within certain ranges mm-hmm. and um, get so preoccupied by those kind of things that it takes away from the actual workout itself. So 
CrossFit seems mm -hmm. much, at least in that sense, you know, laid back, you just show up and, and do it and go home. Totally. And I, I still track all my workouts. So I still keep data on, you know, the times and the yeah. weights and all that stuff. And yep. so I can still tell, you know, where I'm falling performance wise. And usually, yep. you know, there's an indication if something's like, if I'm not sleeping or if right. there's something else going on, it points me, you know, yep. to look at stuff deeper. Cool. So Julie, we, we definitely again the time you've spent with us as typical uh, as is typical with with nicole and i we, we go too long on these. So we want, <laughs> That's to, be, how I we, too. We want <laughs> to be polite and and uh, cognizant of your your time on this um so first of all i want to encourage listeners to you know check out um the youtube videos or whatever they're they're unbelievably um inspirational particularly um in your last um, crossfit games and and your injury and 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 how you uh continued to 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 perform um so um let our listeners know how they can like find you on social media and what have you sure um my instagram is just at julie fouché um j-u-l-a-e-f-o-u-c-h-e-r and that's probably you know i still am not using it as frequently as I once was, but I do go on there. And then um, I also actually have a podcast called Pursuing Health, and you can find that on any of the podcast platforms. So those are probably the two. Yeah, her podcast, some really amazing guests and great information on there. Um, it's kind of funny. My dad asked you to tell listeners how to find you on social media as if, you know, people don't know <laughs> how to find people. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good to have the info. Yeah. <laughs> I always ask my guests that too. <laughs> okay. Um, and then just anything else you would like anyone listening to know about you or anything else that kind of we didn't hit on about anything from medicine, CrossFit, your life? Um, I would just say, you know, overall, I, you know, I love talking about fitness and nutrition and sleep and all these things. Um, one thing that's been really beneficial for me in the past year was just really taking, taking some time to like step back and really do some like deep internal investigation and like contemplation on life and who are the important people in your life. And, um, really like making sure that I'm living my life in a way that's consistent with the person that I want to be. And I think that that also has a huge impact on our health. Um, mm -hmm. Just going through life, living, if there's things that we're doing or ways that we're living our life that are not consistent with who we are deep down, it takes a toll on us and it takes a toll on our health. So that's something else that I found, especially in the last year, to be really uh, beneficial for me personally. Yeah. Boy, that's, um, that is great advice. Um, and, and just, uh, I think a great um, and very impactful way to kind of conclude the, yeah. <laughs> this uh, this session. So again, thank you very much, Julie. For well, your thank time. you guys so much for having me. I'm so glad I got to be the fourth guest. I know. <laughs> yep, you're very lucky. First my family member <laughs> at that. So thank you very much, Julie. Have a great day. Thank, thank you. you. You too. <laughs> bye bye. You. Thanks again for listening. You can visit thedoctorandad.com. That's spelled T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for show notes to any of our podcasts, as well as other useful info on extending health span. Now the legal disclaimer. 
This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. And no doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this information in show notes is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should not should not disregard or delay taking medical advice or treatment for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their medical professional for any such conditions. We also want you to know that we take no funding from any product or service that may be mentioned on the Doctor and Dad podcast.